for listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's Sermon Audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. Like I said, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 8 this morning, and I love Deuteronomy. Uh, Like when I get to it in my Bible reading plan, I get psyched about that. Maybe it's because it's structured like an ancient treaty document. Uh, I'm just kidding. That doesn't sound fun at all. But it really is. It's a rich book um, that that it just has so much to it. Um, And and so in many ways, it's a summary of Israel's beginnings. Uh, It's also a reminder of what the Lord has promised them. And, And it's also a reminder of what He's asked of them. But like I said, it is actually structured like an ancient treaty document. Uh, And so it it has uh, a summary at the beginning of it. It has stipulations of the treaty. It has blessings and cursings if the treaty is kept or if it's broken. I mean, it has witnesses. But it also is like a sermon, uh, or or more accurately, like a series of sermons. And and it's a really important moment in, in Israel's history. So two big things are happening in Deuteronomy as we kind of kick off. The first thing is it's a covenant renewal. The the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land. And so the Lord takes some time through Moses to remind them of what they've covenanted to. So let me give you just a reminder of where we are in the story. Um, You'll you'll remember uh, that after the exodus, the Lord guides His people um, through Uh, the the Red Sea, and into what is going to be the wilderness and onto the promised land. But along the way, he's giving them instructions on what it looks like to be his chosen people. So think here, Ten Commandments, think instructions in worship and, and instructions in the building of the tabernacle so that they can worship God. Think also about Leviticus and all those laws that maybe you, you kind of skim through when you get to Leviticus in your reading plan. Um, don't do it. It's, it's really rich stuff. It's really important stuff because what God is doing there is He's reminding them what it looks like to be God's distinct people, what separates them from every nation on earth. And so the Lord's instructing them um, as He's taking them through the wilderness. Now, as He's taking them through the wilderness, um, they aren't exactly grateful, if you remember. They, they, they're going along the way. They're just kind of complaining. They're kind of just bitter. They're even talking about going back to slavery, back to Egypt. But the Lord is still faithful to His covenant. And so they come right up to the edge of the promised land. And remember, they, they send in the 12 spies, and they come back uh, to give their report of the land, of the promised land that God has promised to give them. And 10 of them are terrified. They're scared. They're going, there's giants there. We cannot do it. It's, it's too big. The cities are too fortified. We can't do it. And two of the spies come back and say, no, we've got the Lord. And so we've got this. That's a loose paraphrase of what they said, but, but that's the gist of it, right? And the people, they end up trusting the 10 and they don't trust the Lord. And so they don't get to enter into the promised land. And the Lord says that he's going to wait until this unfaithful generation dies in the wilderness before he'll bring them back. 
So that brings us up to Deuteronomy. Forty years later, they've wandered around in the wilderness. Um, They're gathered now on the plains of Moab, and the Lord has led them right back to the edge of the promised land. That unfaithful generation has died out for the most part, and this is where Deuteronomy begins. As they enter into this promised land, the Lord calls them to this covenant renewal. That's the first point. The second thing that's happening in the book of Deuteronomy is it's a transition of leadership. Moses has been told that he's not going to get to enter the promised land because of his sin, because of his anger. And so he is working out a transition plan to his apprentice, Joshua. And this is a big moment because Moses is the only leader that Israel has ever known. He led them out of Egypt. He brought them through the wilderness. He's gone to God over and over and over again on their behalf. And now he's doing what good leaders do. He's setting his people and his successor up to prosper. He's finishing well. All right, let's dig in. Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So here we find out right out of the get-go what Moses' intent is. The reason for this sermon, the reason for this covenant renewal is so that the people will trust and obey the Lord, which results in life and true blessing. He was concerned about this because the people said that the Lord was their God. They've said that, but they failed again and again to act like the Lord is their God. They failed to actually trust the Lord. Okay, let's continue on in verse 2. And you shall remember the whole... Sorry, I lost my place. (laughs) And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. The Lord led them through the wilderness to humble them and to test them and to teach them to teach them that people don't live by bread alone. No, people live because of the word that comes out of the mouth of God. And this word is his sustaining word. It's his word that makes all things come to pass. It's this word that's also a reference to his covenant promises. God's word can be trusted because God can be trusted. 
So the Lord humbles them, he tests them, and he teaches them. And even as they were in the wilderness, he took care of them. He gave them food to eat. He provided clothing for them that didn't wear out. He disciplined them like a loving father disciplines his child. And he did all this so they could learn to keep his commands and experience the goodness of the promised land. Which leads us to verse 7. In this previous part, he's talked about their past, where they've come from. And now he's going to shift a bit and talk about their future, what they're about to enter into. Verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in, and in, out in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Moses reminds the people that the land they're about to enter into is a good land. He's taking them into this place of blessing where they will eat and be full. He's doing this, and the appropriate response to Israel is for them to bless him for the blessings that he's given. This is the biblical pattern, even from the garden, even from Genesis, right? The Lord blesses his people, and his people are to bless him for his generosity and for his goodness, and then they're to bless others as they've been blessed. That's the biblical pattern. Verse 11 begins with a warning now, though. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I commanded you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty grounds where there was no water, who brought you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. Take care. Beware. Moses is using this language of warning because he knows how people are. 
In particular, he knows how these people are. He's been with them for a long time. He's heard what they have to say. They're complaining and they're grumbling. He's seen their actions of unfaithfulness again and again. Take care lest you forget. How will they forget? I mean, these are people who have seen amazing, mighty things. These are people who Moses has, has laid out what exactly the Lord is requiring for them. How will they forget? Well, this isn't that they don't remember in their mind, right? This is that they show that they forget by their actions. Moses is warning them that once they enter into the promised land and they eat and they're full and they're sitting in their comfy houses, he's warning them not to forget. Don't forget that it was the Lord who brought you here. Beware. Watch out that this doesn't start creeping into your mind that you did this. Take care lest you forget who brought you out of Egypt through the wilderness and into this promised land. And beware thinking that it was you who did it. We struggle with this too, right? In our own Christian life where we start thinking highly of ourselves and thinking, why can't that guy get his act together? Why is that family such a mess? And, and we don't remember that that's the grace of God in our lives that we can see clearly. The grace of God in our lives that we have been saved and others have not. Beware thinking that it was you who did it. Remember. Remember it was the Lord who did it all because the consequences for the Israelites were real. If you do forget and you do not remember, you'll end up like the other nations. You will perish. So this is the charge of a leader to his people. These words are words of a shepherd to his flock. This passage is a spiritual father longing for his spiritual children to trust the Lord. Deuteronomy continues with passages just like this. Like I said, it's a, a series of sermons that, that kind of repeat a bit and they add more and, and highlight different things throughout. But, but this is the thing that goes on and on. And, and you know the story. Do you, you remember what happens with the people of Israel? Do they heed Moses' warning? Do they finally walk in obedience and trust the Lord? No. No, they don't. They get into the promised land and they fail to give thanks to and bless the Lord. And they fail to be a blessing to the world like God purposed for them. But friends, the Lord doesn't give up. The Lord is faithful to them even in their disobedience. He's faithful to His everlasting covenant not because of them, but because of Him, He is faithful. He does what He says He will do. Israel fails to be the light and the blessing to the world, but God keeps them and He protects them until one comes who succeeds in being light and blessing to the world. Until one comes who perfectly obeys and trusts the Lord. Until one comes who recites this very Scripture in this passage when he is tested in the wilderness. And this one 
This Jesus comes so that we, His people, might walk in this blessing once again. He comes so that we might enter God's rest, the rest of the promised land. He comes that we might participate in the kingdom of God. But this comes at a great cost, though. It comes at the cost of the precious blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus makes provision for us. It is the sacrifice that we find our covering for our sin. And the resurrection of Jesus makes provision for us. It's where we find the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat sin once and for all. It is this Holy Spirit who is given to us to walk in the power of the resurrection. Like Paul, we want to know him and know the power of his resurrection from Philippians. Moses says to the Israelites, and Jesus reminds us later, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When we think of our most basic needs, we think about food or clothing or shelter, or maybe even we think like our emotional needs, the need to be loved. But none of those things, none of those things is what we need most. No, what we need most is to live according to God's word. We need to know what God says about himself and what God says about his world and to act accordingly in the grace that he provides. This pandemic has felt a, a bit like a wilderness. I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that. We don't like our surroundings. Uh, we're tired of discomfort. We're sick of the same things over and over. And we're looking forward to a day when this is all over. But let's not make the same mistake as our brothers and sisters, the Israelites. Let's not make the same mistakes that they made so long ago. We have to get our eyes up. We've got to get our eyes on the Lord. We've got to get our eyes on Him. Do you hear me, church? I can't hear you. <laughs> but can you hear me? We've got to get our eyes up, eyes up on the promised land ahead, eyes up on the gracious provision of the Lord in the wilderness, in this pandemic. We've got to get our eyes up and remember that man does not live by bread alone. Our most basic need is God's sustaining word to us. So my challenge as we close up our time to you and, and to, to us is to get our eyes up. Not so focused on all the horizontal things that we can see, but to focus on the Lord and what He is doing right now in our midst. How do we do it? One of the biggest ways is we immerse ourselves in God's Word. I'm not talking about just to gain more knowledge, though that's certainly good. That, that's not what I'm talking about here, though. What I'm talking about here is communion with the Creator and Maker of everything. 
What I'm talking about here is that we have access to the very Word of God that tells us the story of God through the ages. But many of us, myself included, we don't marvel at that. Maybe we did it at one time, but now it's just, it's just there. We got, we've grown used to it. In Moses' day, they didn't have the kind of ready access that we have to God's Word. Like, they, they don't have just a physical Bible uh, or one of many that they can just pick up and read. They don't have the ability to just pull out their phone and, and pull up any translation they want. Right there, wherever they are. In, in Moses' day, um, and, and in the Old Testament in general, most of the time, when, when God's Word was going to be read, you either had to have it memorized, which a lot of them did, or you had to gather a big group of people and you would have somebody read it over them. That's why that was such a big deal. It was an oral tradition. And, and so that's how you heard God's Word. You didn't have your own per personal scroll with you. In other parts of the world, even right now, they don't have this kind of access to God's Word. I remember um, a number of years ago, I was on a, a mission trip to South Sudan, and I met a man there named Charles Baraka. Uh, and the reason why I remember Charles Baraka is because his story of his experience with God's Word impacted me greatly and challenged me and in some sense shamed me of, of how precious he thought God's Word was. He had been a decade for almost, uh, he'd been a decade, he'd been a Christian for almost two decades, and he did not have access to God's Word in his own language. He could not read, and so he didn't have anything that he, way he could hear God's Word, except when he went to church, the, the preacher there would read an English Bible and then translate the, God's Word into a language he could understand. There was always an in-between between he and God in his Word. Until one day, missionaries showed up and they had those little proclaimers. If you haven't ever seen them, they're so cool. It's like an audio Bible that either runs off of this, you know, solar power or you like crank the thing up. And he got one of these that was in a language he could understand. And for the first time in his life, he could hear God's word in a language he understood that was just God's word. And he was excited about it. He went to his village. He told everybody about it. He was excited at the fact that he had access to God through his word. And here you and I sit with so much access to God's word and so little appreciation of it. Do we treasure it more than gold? Is it sweeter than honey to our lips? Psalm 19.10 Immersing ourselves in God's Word helps us to see God's world clearly and act accordingly. Let me say that again. Immersing ourselves in God's Word helps us to see God's world clearly and act accordingly. What do you immerse yourself in? We've been in the middle of this pandemic. We've had to stay at home for a good chunk of time. Lots of time to develop hobbies and habits and things, and maybe it's more social media. You're immersing yourself in that, or, or news, or TV shows, or sports, or your work, or your kids. None of those things are bad things. 
I found myself um, this last year spending time on, on probably all those things a little bit more than I had the previous year. But what I found as I was scrolling through social media or looking at news stories about learn, trying to figure out what's, what's going on with the virus, what's going on with COVID, or, or what's going on in this election, or what's going on in this and that, what I found myself is after I got out of that and it just stopped for a second, it wasn't life-giving. It didn't fill my soul. What we immerse ourselves in, it shapes the way we see the world. And so how are you being shaped by the things you're immersing yourselves in? We need to be filling ourselves with the Word of God until we're so saturated with the Scriptures and the God that they bear witness about that that shapes how we see the world. So what's your plan? I don't know where you are in your Scripture intake, uh, in your Bible reading and, and, and dwelling on the Bible, but let me say this. It's, it's like food, church. You need a steady diet of it. If you don't currently have a steady diet of Scripture intake, then you're not getting all those essential spiritual nutrients to your soul. It's time to get started. And if you are already getting those things, if you're already having a steady diet of Scripture, then be encouraged because God is slowly shaping and molding the way that you see the world to the way He sees the world so that you can see people like God sees people, so that you can see life like God sees life. So how are we gonna do this if you don't have a plan already? Well, for me, it's, it's been a plan of reading the scriptures daily. Um, my plan, it's, I, I, I try to move pretty fast, so I, I read uh, more, more passages, more chapters, um, so that I don't get locked in on little details because I just, I wanna be immersed in it more than I wanna analyze it um, when, when I'm just, this is just devotional reading because my mind is wired that I wanna dig in and deep, you know, go a deep dive into a verse, but I wanna be immersed in the whole story of God. And so I try to move quickly. It could be that for you or, or it could be committing to reading a psalm a day or, or maybe a chapter a day through the New Testament. Or, or maybe it's just spending a time in a passage each day. No matter what it is, it needs to be daily. We don't generally just skip meals, right? Physical meals. And you shouldn't generally skip days of reading the scriptures. Or you're going to be a malnourished Christian. No matter how you do it or who you do it with, get in the word of God. Get it in a variety of ways. You can read it. You can listen to it with an audio Bible or something. You can sing it. You can speak it out loud in a group. Read it together. It's a beautiful thing. Get in it by yourself. Get in it with others. Read it with your friends. Read it with your kids. Even if they don't get everything, that's okay. They've got a lifetime to learn what all that means. But get in the Word. You and I, we have God's very word given to us. Let's not be like the Israelites and forget what he saved us from and what he's doing right before us and what he's leading us into. 
we have to remember because it's so easy to forget. And immersing ourselves in the story of God as found in the scriptures helps us with this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you that we live in a place where we have access to your word in a language that we can understand and so many resources to help us understand it. We confess collectively that we don't appreciate your word like we should. We don't long for it. We don't count it as more valuable than gold. We don't think that it's sweeter than honey. Help us, God. Help us to see how amazing it is that you have spoken to us, that you have given us your word in this precious book. And help us, God, wherever we are today, if we're already in the scriptures each day, encourage our hearts that this is a good work. Encourage our hearts uh, to, to immerse ourselves more and more and to ask you that the Spirit would move to shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. And for my brothers and sisters out there who maybe aren't in your word as regularly as they'd like to be, God, would you show them a way forward? Would you help them find that time? Would you help them to find what works well for them to take in your word? And for my brothers and sisters out there who this feels overwhelming to, they think that they just don't have the time, God, would you show them that it is worth it, that it is worth it. Lord, we love you. Be with us as we enter into worship and song right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.